0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the PropSwap podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, Joining us this week is sean little he is a sports and betting analyst for msg network uh, as well as the co-host of the no ketchup podcast also does some analyst work for the action network who uh, we're good friends with uh, sean thank you so much for uh, for joining us this week
1: man i'm a long time lover of prop swap man i appreciate you guys having me through man i love both you guys i love what you guys are doing in the industry excited to have a little conversation
0: yeah, yeah, we will uh we'll definitely get to some of the prop swap stuff and and uh your history with the company, but uh I thought first we would just start with um your your sports media and background and and how you kind of got into it. Uh and so I know prior to getting your role uh at MSG, you were working in the the sports industry including at CBS Sports, but a lot of those positions were kind of more on the marketing side, business side. Was it always your goal to eventually transition to being in front of the camera, or did that kind of did that goal kind of come later in life for you?
1: Yeah, no, that was always the goal from like the very very beginning, man. I always wanted to be like the next Stuart Scott that was like the thing I wanted to be the o g sports center broadcaster, right um so when I got rolling, well, that was, of course, after I figured out I wasn't going to be like, a professional basketball player or <laughs> football player. So like, that was like the early, like, maybe when I was like 13 transition, it was like, all right, I'm not going to play pro ball. So I might as well start talking, talking about pro ball. But um, initially, I went to school for for doing in front of camera communication stuff. And out of school, I went to Arizona State. Out of school, it was very, just very, it's a very cutthroat, tough business. Like no matter how good the journalism school was at ASU, the communication school is also very good. It was just a really cutthroat business. So it was one of those things where I was working on the radio at, at ASU. I was doing all that stuff. I was calling baseball games. I was doing a couple of shows a week on the media side and it came time to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 my, my lease was, was coming up in, in Scottsdale. It was over And I needed to find a job and I couldn't find a job in the media industry that was going to pay me enough money to actually continue to kind of chase the grind. And I think that's the biggest things for for young people doing anything. And you guys know about raising money and doing all that stuff. If if you could fight as long as you can before you really have to go get a quote unquote real job, that's the key, man, If you whatever you got to do to try to stay in that same lane that you want to get into. And eventually break through and and get there. That's that's the key. But I I couldn't stay afloat. I had to go get a real job. And I knew I always wanted to stay in sports, so I stayed in sports. I uh, I got into I was selling digital ad space for CBS Sports dot com. So CBS Sports line, CBS Sports dot com, the app, the webpage, and all that stuff. I was just selling ad space on there, and that was kind of my. I'm not doing exactly what I want to do in sports, but I'm still working in sports. So I'm still close enough to where if I make enough connections, I think I can always get back. Um, but to be, to be completely honest, just like any other young person, I kind of lost my way a little bit with the big time goal when I started making a little money. Like we were crushing it at CBS Sports. Like we were making money selling ass yeah. We were blowing through goals. And next thing you know, you look up and it's been like three or four years, five years. And I'm not, like, doing what I really, really wanted, wanted, wanted to do, which was be in front of the camera and talk about ball, right? So I eventually kind of hit this spot within myself and just kind of plateaued over all at CBS Sports where I was like, I got to quit this shit and really try to do media-only stuff. And I'd made a decent amount of money over the years that I had saved, so I knew I could make it for a little, at least, like, a year and a half, two years, like, if I was just purely not bringing in any money and had to go sleep on my buddy's couch type of thing, right? So I quit. I started focusing on doing no catch-up full-time. We got a studio. We were doing it out of a studio in Chicago. I was producing a couple other podcasts. I was helping out. And I was, of course, the you, people that listen don't really know me that well, but Ian knows me pretty well. Um, I'm a big-time poker player as well. So I was playing cards. I was sports betting. I was producing podcasts. I was anything I needed to do to make ends meet. In between that no job quote unquote period was what i was doing and that was it i know this was a very long winded way but <laughs> no, no. it was uh yeah that, that that's exactly what happened i ended up quitting i focused on media and i got a break to do content for wave sports entertainment and you guys everybody knows wave now from jason and travis kelsey that's who does their pod they just signed uh bomani jones they're doing like a lot of player player first stuff but they initially started as a internet like instagram page content aggregator that like they had pages like uh buckets um handles break ankles that type (laughs) of stuff and then they would just like find videos and they were trying to get into the long form space and i applied for a job i ended up like tracking down the CEO through some back channels on like LinkedIn or something and started doing some content for them. They had just launched a new sports betting page called the juice still around now. This guy, Dan Worthington, super good dude, uh, runs that page and I was doing content for them. Another girl came on and was doing content and she ended up getting a tryout at MSG. They were looking for more people and I ended up getting a tryout with MSG. They liked me. And that was like almost three years ago now, so a lot of really, really good timing, but it did take that step of focusing fully on it to to kind of get that reward at the end yeah, of yeah i, I
0: think I think the important thing there is that like is that you you had the goal, you're working towards the goal, but then you realize like you, you know that, that that wasn't paying the bills at that time and and so you know you had to do something else, but like you still never kind of like gave up on you know like it was you never just like kind of like gave up on it and was like, you know, whatever I tried, it didn't work. Like it was always still kind of like in the back of your mind, which I think for a lot of people who are pursuing something where they want to do, but the money, the money's not great in the beginning. Like it's, you know, it's way easier said than done to just be like, um, to say, you know, I'll come back to it later. So, you know, that's, you know, kudos to you for, for, for sticking with it. Um, I was going to ask about, about the podcast, um, which I believe was launched in 2017, um the no ketchup podcast with your friend uh nick harvey as the title would suggest uh it focuses on chicago sports talk um when you launched that in 2017 was that like your way of of kind of like if no one else is going to give me the shot like i'm i'll just you know i'll come i'm kind of do something myself or was it just more about kind of like chopping it up with, with about chicago sports with your friend
1: yeah no it's uh i think it was a little bit of both to to answer the question off top but i still think even in the industry today, like me currently having a mic being under contract at a television network, it's a very fickle business. I think if the, the real ground up on the media side is all of these people creating channels and creating funds and funnels via their own network and doing their own thing, the, the, top, the very, very top level would be like a Pat McAfee example, right? Um, yeah. So in 2017, it kind of started as like a I want to talk shit in sports with my buddy and I kinda of wanna start creating content and getting comfortable doing so and that was gonna be the just the original platform that we we were gonna do it on. And it was always of course the the conversation of let's be able to say what we want, how we wanna say it and have no one else tell us that we couldn't say that or couldn't do this or couldn't do that. And I think that was like the key just to starting on things.
0: Yeah. Um and so then in May 2018 uh the Supreme Court overturned the ban on sports betting outside Nevada. Uh I know, you know, I remember where I was when that happened. I'm sure Luke knows where uh you know knows where he was when that happened. It was a huge moment for us at Propswap. Um but, you know, at that point you already had the podcast, but did any light bulb kind of go off uh to you at that when that happened of like, wait, like it's not just about sports media anymore. There's going to be opportunities now in sports betting media. And was that you know kind of a, a light bulb moment for you when when sports betting you know got legalized outside of Nevada?
1: You, to be completely honest, not like you guys, I didn't have the foresight like you guys had. it. <laughs> I knew that it was a big deal, right? Like, okay, it's going to be legal, but I didn't really have the the foresight to say, man, I should start doubling down right now and creating all sports betting type focused content like i just did I, I really didn't have that that vision of how big it was going to become i knew it was going to be big i knew it was like for example we me and me and you have talked about this like when the DraftKings stock was opened up at ten dollars i was like that's something i'm very interested in like I, yeah. it's gonna and it's gonna be a long-term play for me it, it wasn't like uh i wasn't gonna try to like trade it it was gonna be this is going to be a massive industry and people have no idea how big it it really is going to be. But I didn't have the foresight on the media side to be like, Hey, this is something that you could really focus on that when it comes time, not a lot of people know how to talk to it, especially being camera and front facing. And to be honest in the space, there's a lot of nerds that aren't interested in being in front of the camera. So like I didn't have the foresight to, uh, to do that at the time but um but as it's now of course grown a little bit it's like there's still we're still in 2023 in a very infancy state but yeah it's only going to continue to get to get bigger I, you know what i think it was ian and luke really quick i'll let you go luke was to me sports betting was like always part of the game like this it wasn't like a new thing to me so like talking the spread and talking the total was always just like how i talked about the game from like a young age so me like this whole thing of like sports betting and media like crossing it's just me DSP talking about bad, the game yeah, yeah it's like it's, it's just me talking about the game like i've always talked about it who's the the, the, the always the first question was like what's the number like that was like always the question and i didn't really not not who's gonna win who's gonna cover yes exactly and i never really realized how big of a disconnect that was until we really started to get rolling on the legalization side
2: um first of all didn't realize you went to asu so i mean that is an excellent journalism school walter cronkite's journalism school at asu so we have quite a rivalry uh on this podcast (laughs) going but um, yeah uh, that's great i mean they're they're uh ASU as obviously known as a party school as is University of Arizona but like their journalism school is excellent so good for you um I get asked all the time about how the Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey podcast works like can you just discuss like what economics are so you said wave is the, the group that produces that so obviously uh Travis and Jason are doing no cutting of it they'll just do long form maybe they record for an hour 15 and it gets cut down to 40 whatever it is like Wave, uh, of course, sells the ads, I imagine. Like, obviously, Jason and Travis aren't selling any ads. Like, just discuss the economics and like how that deal looks.
1: Yeah. I don't know the details on their specific contract with yeah, Wave, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say this for example, I, when I first started talking to Wave, they, every meeting I had was clearly they were trying to figure out. How they could monetize this massive audience that they had, and they didn't know what to do with it. Essentially, they had all these pages with millions of followers that were sports-related viewers, and they knew like that was the lane. It was all it was going to be all sports stuff. But they were trying to figure out how to monetize all these people, and they wanted to get into the long-form content game. So I had when I talked to the CEO, he put me in contact with a couple other couple other people at Wave. And they were running out of Santa Monica and they were going to start essentially doing self, they were going to produce their own long form content that they could then sell ads against and then monetize that way. I don't know they didn't, at the time, it wasn't about if they were going to go subscription model or however they wanted to do it, but they knew they wanted to start creating long form content that they could then sell ad sponsorship against and then use that. And they already had a built-in audience because I could serve, the, this new pod or new show to all these people on these aggregated pages. Um, so yeah, I don't know the details behind Kelsey and, and the Kelsey brothers deal, but I know that they were trying to get into long form content to to be able to tap into these millions of people that they had, their eyeballs that were locked in. They were getting tons and tons of engagement and they were way ahead of like the quick cut Big caption, picture, video, social Mm -hmm. edits that no one was doing. This is like, yeah, this is like five, like four years ago. No one was really cutting content in that way and how engaging it was. They were like one of the first people I saw do it. And they're still a little bit ahead of what to cut, how to cut it, adding sound effects, zooming, an extra zoom here, an extra color here on a font changes a lot of different things and that's the way of the future in a sense of hey bomani jones you stay home we'll send you a camera and a light and we'll we'll give you some tips on how we want this set up but you stay home record it from there send us all the files and then we'll let our guys back at home go to work on the edit and just try to create these viral clips And then that's how we'll try to drive engagement on the overall show. Because and last point on this is that, especially with like the, the, the Gen Zers, I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard, Oh, I don't watch the show. I just see the clips. Totally. It's like, no one's like even listening or watching the shows. It's like, they're just trying to, trying to get clips. And I think wave was way, way, way ahead of that before others even caught on.
0: It's, it's funny you mentioned that because like I think most people wouldn't even notice that as being like a differentiator. I, I do notice that. I think Luke does too, because we we have this podcast and I'm always and it's funny you bring that up because I think they have great social breakout clips and and so I think that's a good point of being like they're like they're just really, really good at it, and that's and that's a big differentiator that's a lot harder to do than than most people uh may may think. Um I, I just wanted to end on this in terms of like your sports your sports media background, backgrounds like that. And then we can get into some of the uh, prop swap sports betting stuff. Um, you know, I'm a lot of people out there, men and women, you know, want to get into sports media, you know, passionate about sports, you know, would love to get paid to talk about sports. You know, what advice would you have to them or like, or, or honestly, what advice would you give yourself? Like if you could talk to yourself from five years ago, like what advice would you give yourself that you probably didn't know five years ago that you, you learned over, over the years. And, and you would, you would tell yourself,
1: yeah, sure. It's um honestly, I think the the big thing is kind of what I said earlier is that if you could stay in the lane as long as you can while just chipping away slowly, especially as a young person, that's the biggest thing. Do whatever you need to do to stay in whatever lane you're trying to get into. So, if you don't have any kids, if you don't if you don't have a girlfriend, focus on what you got going on, sleep on whatever couch you got to sleep on, eat crackers, do whatever you got to do to stay in that lane. Because the only reason I say that is you can go get another job, but in a blink of an eye, I looked up and I had been at CBS sports for five years. And I was like, Whoa, like I'm now I'm 26. What am I even like going to do? I don't want to do this anymore. So, but if I would have stayed in that lane, maybe, maybe, Potentially could have figured it out a different way and not wanted to, you know, get my own place and chase chicks and do whatever, then it would have been a, a different story, right? But to get back to like the core of right now, what should I do? I would just, it, at least in the sense of the media side, put stuff on camera that you actually want to do. You want to talk about props, you want to talk about baseball props, start creating baseball props content, put together a dope reel, take it seriously and then just try to shop it as much as you can. Um, that's, that would be the, the best thing. Actually, my girl, Katie Mox, is a really good example of, mind you, she's, uh, she's a very pretty blonde, oh. so and she can speak to sports betting. So that always helps breaking in. But she went from PR, where she wasn't talking about sports, wasn't in the media industry at all, to creating content around sports betting, creating content around sports talk and then got uh, got to get i was i worked with her at msg for my first year and then she's now at cbs doing cbs sports hq with like brady quinn and the rest of their talent right so if you focus on it and just try to continue to create content and be be image conscience like ian ian knows me pretty well for those who don't know me and ian went to high school together grew up together but like and he knows how I am off camera and kind of how I move around, but I'm still very image conscious, like on the internet. I think once you kind of put yourself in this lane, in the especially in the media sector, it's kind of tough to shake that once you start going down that lane. So I would say pick what you want to do, stay with it, and then just try to create content and, and put stuff on camera that you're proud of package up the really good reel and then just try to send it around and just try to get a look.
0: Yeah. Um that's great advice. I mean, I think reps, right? It's all about reps yeah. and and not getting discouraged in the beginning, right? You know, we, you know, it's it's going to stink in the beginning and that's okay, for but sure. just keep at it, don't get dis- you know, don't get discouraged and and just and rack the reps up, right?
1: Yeah. For sure. And really last last point on this, like I never believed in like imposter syndrome. It's very real. Like one of my, like in my first year, I was doing a show with like David Tyree, Matthias Kiwanuka, and we were talking about like defensive like strategy. And I, <laughs> this is, I've been on TV for like three months and I'm like, man, I can, I'm, how am I even able to talk about this stuff sitting next to these guys? But it's just all about being confident, doing your research, being prepared. And, you guys, the sports fans, know it's very clear when someone's not prepared on TV or they don't know, especially sports betting. A guy that doesn't know sports betting doesn't actually bet his own money and doesn't isn't in, enthralled in the game. It's very clear to pick up on that when they're talking about it. So, you know, be prepped, do your thing, and just be confident on air. That'll shine through. And then just try to try to get lucky. I got lucky. I got really, really, really good timing with a couple other people on a network, but. When it was time, I was ready, and i was I was I was I was ready to try to make something happen with the opportunity
2: yeah, I'm still stunned that Terry Bradshaw and Rex Ryan have jobs on NFL Sunday like <laughs> I don't think these guys could name twenty five n f l players like it's astonishing to me some of these people that are on t v so yeah um, I love it man keep it up yeah.
0: um so yeah, uh, as you mentioned uh yeah we, we we went to high school together uh um and so, you know, this is not our first time uh, talking sports, talking sports betting. We grew up playing home card games uh, back in back in high school. So, Sean and I go go back uh, go back a ways. Um, and so, obviously, you were you know very early on in prop swap because you know we were we were close and and you know you were always uh, checking out the marketplace. Uh, and so, um, two tickets that come to mind, um, you know, that that you were involved with prop swap uh, is when you purchased a big uh 49ers NFC Championship ticket in 2019 uh that won. So congrats to you. That was a that was a that was a nice hit. Uh but another ticket was a forty six thousand dollar Red Sox to win the twenty eighteen World Series ticket that you did not buy. Uh and that of course ended up winning. What yeah. do you remember about like not pulling the trigger on that on that Red Sox ticket? And did that influence you when you did decide to buy the 49ers ticket the the next year?
1: Yeah the for, for sure. Because I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big gut guy. Anyway, especially like if I do all my research and dive into the analytics, and it's leaning that way, and my gut was already leaning that way, and kind of just my evaluation of the overall situation in its entirety. That's when like I'm really firing. And the 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 one thing about the Red Sox ticket that had me gun shy. I'm not a baseball guy. Like that is not like my core where I really dig and do yeah. my numbers and watch. I'm a big watcher. I think a lot of these people, like even super duper analytics guys, don't watch enough. And then they try I, to talk. test. Yeah. It's, it's, I, if, once you start combining the eye test and analytics, I think that's when you can really, really pick up on misprices and mismatchups uh, of different things where it's like, am I miss- It's almost to the point sometimes where it's like, am i missing something like why this price is is too crazy because the team i'm looking at is clearly better than other than said team and the numbers back that up why in what way shape or form is this number three and sitting there and juiced to the and and juiced to the plus side so yeah i'm a big gut guy after watching after breaking things down and the baseball piece gave me a little pause because I was like, this is not really my, this is not my wheelhouse. This is not what I do. And as I've gotten older as a sports better, just being a part of it for so long is that it's all about keeping your mental clarity and mental state in a really good space. So I knew if I burned up that, that money on baseball and it didn't come in, I would have been really, really mad at myself. Because I'm yeah. like, yo, what the fuck are you doing betting baseball? You don't bet baseball. You especially don't buy $10,000 future tickets. <laughs> but I did like the ticket, and I did like the spot, <laughs> and it ended up coming in. So the, that was a miss, but we followed it up with the 49ers, who that year, similar to this year, actually, were really, really spooky in a lot of different aspects on defense there was just nobody in the afc that i saw that could compete with them and yeah it came, it came through and came to fruition but yeah the, the the baseball thing gave me some pause that was the reason i really really didn't pull the trigger on the red sox
0: yeah and it, be clear, it was it was uh, an nfc ticket so um you know yeah. they were the class at the nfc and um you know lost to the chiefs in the super bowl win a game that i think they easily you know could have and and perhaps should have should have won. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even you mentioned but even like
1: that- really quick, but but even before yeah. like the Red Sox ticket, I want to say the Lamar Jackson ticket was before that, and that was a situation where it was like, this guy's going to win the Heisman. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, like I don't really understand. He he the, he was putting up unprecedented numbers. It was clear that the it, it seemed like this price was off. I mean, I know there's of course the fade injury last five, six games of the season. But uh the Lamar Jackson ticket was also one that I felt really confident in. And then I got a little bit of cold feet towards the end there and flipped it. But it was uh if you're watching enough and paying attention enough there the the books do make mistakes and the market is wrong sometimes. And then that's where you where you gotta where you gotta pound and try to make make as much money as you can on an edge that you like.
0: Yeah. Um, that's actually a great point. I I forgot to add that. That you you the, the ticket that kind of put props up on the map was this Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson Heisman ticket. Uh guy bet a hundred bucks at 101. Uh in October, you bought it from him for four thousand, I believe. Uh, and then um they weren't playing you know, uh they didn't play in the conference championship, but Deshaun Watson did uh he you know deshaun watson had a good conference championship game uh and yeah you know you flipped it for nine you you sold it for nine thousand five 5 5k profit didn't have to sweat it and what you you know you missed out on 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 1k whatever so uh overall i think that was a that was a great still a great uh transaction for you um but uh you had mentioned earlier like uh you know kind of the like, what am I missing? Right. You, you, kind of stare at something, you know, what, what am I, what am I missing here? Uh, I know we've had a lot of texts back and forth where we'll text each other being like, what, what am I missing here? You know, like, is this, is this free money? But, yeah. um, you know, I think, I think you kind of mentioned earlier, but I just wanted to mention one more time, like when it comes to sports betting and, and futures betting, you know, what is kind of your, your, your strategy? Is it, you said it's, it's some analytics like what or an, and I test, but like, what are some of the analytics you look for in, in like football, for example?
1: Yeah, we can start with football because I've of the last couple years, I feel like I put myself in a really good spot in the futures market. I would say in the NFL, for for me and what I've been doing the last three seasons, you can still get some really good prices in like week fifteen of the NFL on a futures market. There's just value there. I want to say last year I bet TJ Watt to win DPOI in week fifteen. Was 15 or 16. I'd have to go back and I got him at even money. And then he played one more game and he was like minus 800. So I, I think a lot of you, of course, the biggest thing that you have to fade is injury, but I'm also not a huge plus money guy. So like some of these tickets, I, for example, uh, to, to, to for the audience, I'm the prop swap buyer. I'm not the prop swap <laughs> seller. I'm not a guy that's going to have a super long shot ticket because typically I don't like to lock up units for, for those, for that amount of time. And the injury mm-hmm. thing is too, too up and down. And the the really good, as you guys know, the really good futures guys are putting up a bunch of money up front and then hoping certain nuanced spots come through and then they, they, they crushed. Right. So I, As I said, I am so deep in it during the year and watching that that's when I feel like I can make really my best informed decision. And week 15, for example, last week, even like the Dak and the Brock thing, if you were a Brock guy last week, then you're in a really, really good position, right? And I know that Dak ended up having a really bad game. We weren't expecting him to play that poorly against the Bills, but. Even now, if you liked Purdy last week and like him now, I've still seen Purdy at like minus 175 in the market. I think that's a really good price with only three games to go. And we now know the rest of the schedule for a lot of these teams and what we can expect their opponent to be like. I think that's those are edges across the board um, when it comes to the the futures market. So... When it comes to the NFL and I'm looking at futures, I think there's a lot of uh, money to be made as late as week 15, especially with an outlet like FanDuel where you can tie up parlays and you could like parlay futures in, in a lot of their stuff too. So there's a lot of different markets and a lot of money to be made late in the season. It doesn't always have to be you betting Super Bowl champ week three of the NFL season.
0: Yeah. Um... You know, of course, you know, our, our whole thing is, you know, you, you, you bet the future week three and then, you know, you you flip it uh, a, couple, yeah. a couple of weeks later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking a lot of MVP stuff on this podcast. Uh, I, you know, it's it's always I always stress to people these primetime games matters in the primetime games and the last quarter of the season are weighted so much more different, you know, differently than a primetime game in, in week six. Right. So that's why I'm still on the Lamar boat, because um, they've got some primetime games coming up. Um, you know, yeah, but yeah, one bad game by Brock, one good game, or sorry, one bad game by Dak, one good game by, by Purdy has completely flipped it. Um, but, uh, just sticking on, on Brock Purdy here for a second. Um, you know, if, if this was a regular podcast, we would have led with this story, but, uh, we got you here and and obviously you're, you're an expert in the NFL. So, uh, for those who don't know, we have a, uh, a giant Brock Purdy MVP ticket that was listed for sale on, on Sunday night. This gentleman um, he he bet two thousand dollars on Purdy to win the MVP back in July at a hundred to one odds, uh, and so this ticket collects two hundred thousand um, dollars. An offer was made for ninety thousand uh, dollars last night that was declined. Um, but you know, in this situation, Sean, you know, uh, obviously you said you're you're a buyer, not a seller. But um, a would you buy if you had the cash? Would you buy this ticket for a hundred thousand? And B, do you do you fault the guy for wanting to turn two K into one hundred K and not have to sweat these these last three weeks?
1: So, to answer the second question, it's all it's always so it's personal. That's a personal decision. Like if you are in a position where you could sweat out an extra one hundred K, an extra one hundred percent on top of what you are getting offered, then you sweat it. If this is life changing. Right, yeah. If it wins, one hundred percent. Right. If it's completely life changing money, where you couldn't you couldn't sleep at night for months because Brock went out and broke his ankle next week, then you got to sell the ticket. Like it's, it's it's simple as that when it comes to that. But Brock Purdy is the MVP. I, I I was I was I'm a big big Dak guy. Big. I, I, I I'm a Dak apologist. I think Dak is really good. I think Dak is in one of the toughest situations as a quarterback in the nfl his owner does a fucking press conference in the tunnel at fucking halftime essentially (laughs) every game and he has to deal with it and he always says the right stuff and he always goes about his business and he plays good football for for the most part he makes mistakes just like everybody else so i'm a big dat guy um call it what you want about brock purdy i i don't want to I don't think we should apologize for him being surrounded by competence. Like, yes, he has a lot of guys around him that are very good, but he's the trigger man and he has them in a position where they're the far and away clear best team in the NFC and are probably going to represent them in the Super Bowl. Now, if this, I I can't get over how much negative flack he gets for not being like a first round pick. If if he was a first round pick, this number would be minus five hundred. That's what I don't understand. Tre- so Trevor, like, if this
0: is Trevor Lawrence, if
1: it, oh my god, if this was Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> minus minus a thousand. Like the, that's the thing about the the whole situation. He's not flashy. He doesn't jump off the screen, but his numbers speak for themselves. the 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 biggest number for me when looking at quarterback play is, of course, EPA. But then when we talk about completion, uh, air completions via air yards and how much he's pushing it down the field you can't be a game manager if you're top two three in the nfl uh with air yards with with completions via air yards it doesn't make any sense you're the one pushing it down the field more than anyone else in the entire nfl so forget about all that debo screen and McCaffrey screen this guy pushes it upfield to Ayuk and and kittle and the rest of them and he's been playing absolutely lights out he had a couple bad games and the couple bad games that he had if you go back and look at the turnovers there are a lot of fluky turnovers and he's missing weapons and literally the best tackle in football so if i had the money yes i would buy this ticket um hopefully one day i'll have 100 100k liquid cash that <laughs> i can that i could wire over to the prop swap office and, and have you guys set this off to the side for me but uh yeah i think this is a really good spot a really good ticket for my man Uh, in a position to be in because, and also this may be a spot where he's in a spot with this ticket where I believe he could literally wait till the final whistle. And if he did have a little bit of money to hedge on whoever is, is, is up there with Brock at the end of the year in week 18, that's, that would be the best play. He's, he's super flexible and nimble in this spot.
2: Yeah. So last game of next weekend on Christmas night, is Niners Ravens, so if Lamar comes out and has two rushing, two passing, Brock comes out and has one with a fumble and a pick and a loss, does this opinion change?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a the, <laughs> the MVP market is about as fluid as it gets. If if Baltimore goes out to San Francisco because the game is in is in uh yep. is in is that is in San Francisco the and whole
2: world's going to be watching this game the whole world's <laughs> going
1: to be watching it if he goes out and lays an egg and Lamar goes ballistic then yeah it's going to flip but i have no reason to believe that that's going to happen they're at home they they had that's like that's the risk that i would be willing to take now that would be that would be your hedge as the guy holding this ticket would say, hey, the only way I'm losing this this MVP ticket is if Lamar goes absolutely crazy, then that would be a spot to get a little bit of a hedge in. So if you want to be super careful, that's what you could do. And, and also, to go back to what I was saying about your situation, pros that are making a living sports betting are hedging damn near everything. They want to be in spots where they're locking up profit and continuing to go on week by week, game by game. But if you're just a guy firing away, and the the money is not that big a deal to you, then it's 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 a it's a different story. But the the that ticket is so flexible because he is going to be the guy up at the top the rest of the year. the The rest of the guys that are going to be behind him at plus four hundred, plus five hundred are going to be fluid. It could be it could be it could be uh, Josh Allen here in a couple weeks when they play Miami. He has a massive game, and the next thing you know. He has 45 total touchdowns or something crazy. Then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, why isn't Josh Allen, he brought them out of the depths and da 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 da. So it could be a lot of, he lost his offensive coordinator in the middle of the year and turned it around. So there's also a lot of storylines that you got to keep in mind as well. But yeah, it could get really tight if Lamar goes out to San Francisco and balls out. But I would bank on San Francisco showing up and doing what they've done all season
2: long when healthy. Yeah. Good. Um, I People ask us all the time, like, about the Chicago media. Does New York media um, criticize you for being from Chicago? Do they compliment you for being not part of New York media? Like, just describe New York media for yeah. someone that's literally, you know, living in every debt.
1: Yeah, you see the you see the Knicks sticker in the back next to the Bulls <laughs> sticker. So I do get that That's, all the time. Yeah, like Yeah, James you're from Yeah, exactly. You're from Chicago and you're talking about the Knicks and you're rooting for the Knicks and so I get a little bit of flack for it, but not too too much, especially because like I don't cover the Knicks. I'm not like a beat writer for the Knicks, right? So I just work for the network and I'm talking about sports betting. So I think I get a little bit I'm separated a little bit because at the end of the day, I'm just trying to win plays and win units and stack up money. So I'm not the guy writing opinion pieces on Julius Mm Randle as a guy being from Chicago and essentially a Bulls fan. Like that's where I think it could get a little sticky. But since I'm on the betting side and I'm not covering a team specifically, directly, I, I get a little bit of flexibility. But yeah, I get a little flag from being from Chicago for sure.
0: And it's it's not like we're in a '94 and Bulls and Knicks are gonna be squaring off in the Eastern Conference Finals right. uh, anytime soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think if if I was like the Athletic beat, like the the beat reporter for uh, for the Athletic covering the Knicks, and I was from Chicago, I think a lot of my words would be taken with a big, big grains of salt. Like this fucking guy is not even from here. Yeah. He's actually from Chicago. And yeah, no shit, he doesn't like <laughs> the way Thibodeau is calling
2: rotations. So yeah, yeah, Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf, owner of the White Sox and the Bulls, originally a New Yorker, so yeah, flip flop. Um. All
0: right. Well, this was this was uh, this was great. Uh, super insightful. Love uh love always just uh talking sports with you. Um now this is the time of po- type of the podcast where we uh we do a little stake or swap, kind of do the you know, talk about what teams we uh we like you want to can, can you stick around for a few minutes for uh for stake or swap.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm here, man. I'm happy to be here.
0: All right, cool. All right, so uh it is that time of the week for a little stake or swap. <laughs> First up, going to be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, currently seven to one at the sports books to win the Super Bowl. Um, I will go first. I I'm staking the Chiefs right now at seven to one. I think the, the Chiefs' hate has gone a little too far. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has missed the last two games, uh, but Andy Reid said he's coming back for, for the next game. Uh, and I think they'll make the necessary adjustments to make sure that Kadarius Toney never sees the field in any sort of meaningful <laughs> way uh, ever again. Um, uh, and then meanwhile, I I love the rookie, Rasheed Rice. Uh, he's, really, he's really stepped up uh, in his last four games. He's got 32 catches, 334 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Mahomes never playing in a road playoff game, but they're only one game behind the Dolphins for the two seed, and they own the tiebreaker thanks to their win in Germany uh, over them the chiefs remaining schedule is home versus the Raiders home versus the Bengals and at the chargers, all three are backup quarterbacks. Meanwhile, the dolphins last three games are against the Cowboys Ravens and bills. So I could see the chiefs getting that two seed and playing two home games uh, before the AFC championship game. Uh, the Ravens are still my pick to win the conference, but if you're sitting there with a seven to one ticket in the AFC championship game, uh, you could flip that for uh, for a good profit. So, um, I think at seven to one right now and the Chiefs is a good buy. I'm I'm staking uh the Chiefs. Uh we'll go with our, our guest, Sean. Uh would you stake or swap uh the Chiefs right now?
1: Yeah. The only so <laughs> I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I think your points are valid on staking them at seven to one, looking to get out from under the ticket as soon as you possibly can. I think that's what you were saying, basically. Like, hey, this is this 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 price is a little too long at seven to one i'll take some stake here and then look to move off of this if they especially if they get a two, it could get two straight home games i think big picture though overall it's a swap for me um when do you start believing what your eyes are telling you i've been watching this chiefs team all year they're not very good especially on the offensive side of the ball like it's it's plain and simple and the reason that mahomes turnover numbers are are up is because He's trying to – he's really, really trying to make things happen. He's trying to force balls that aren't there. He knows that he has to try to make something happen or else they're not going to be able to do anything. The the things that we're seeing from the Chiefs this late in the season aren't things that typically get fixed, especially when you have big chunks of the year going where they don't score any points in the second half. There was a a stretch where if you removed the Bears – I think over like a six-game stretch, they had a, they were averaging like nine, just over 19 points per game. They aren't dangerous enough, especially if they have to go on the road in any capacity, to beat Miami, in my opinion, to beat Baltimore. And then the Bills seemed pretty pissed off with, with what was going on, and James Cook <laughs> looks like fucking Barry Sanders all of a sudden. So <laughs> I, I think overall I would swap. The Chiefs, because when I hear Chiefs and I hear Mahomes and Andy Reid, I think AFC Championship game or bust, and I think they have a very uphill challenge to even get to that point. So I'm gonna, I'll I'll, overall, I'll swap. Do I think seven to one is too long? I do, but I I would invest elsewhere.
2: Luke. Yeah, uh, tough one. I got asked on ESPN on Friday, ESPN Chicago, uh, what AFC team I would pick, and I still would go with the Chiefs. It is a crowded field between Baltimore, and of course, Miami, and Kansas City, uh, and Buffalo. But I still trust Andy Reid the most. I've been calling for Tua injury risk. I would never wish injury upon anyone, but I still believe there's injury risk with Tua, um, given his, his head injuries last year. So I'll just continue to stake the Chiefs, and obviously their schedule is super conducive for that number to go down because, like you said, the uh, Raven schedule is loaded. Um, so I think that number ticks down a little bit, and I'd flip it at you know pre AFC Championship if they w- went up against Miami. It's gonna and Tua's playing, obviously. Uh, I would probably flip it then. Yeah. So
0: uh, just the last thing I'll say on this is like I looked for is a bet that was like Chiefs to reach the AFC Championship game or like. Chiefs versus Ravens AFC game. I I looked for that, couldn't find it. So yeah, so my my, my thing is here is that I think the if the way that people react to the, and the way the markets react to NFL, if what I said happens, where they win their next three, the Dolphins slip up. And then, you know, the Chiefs can get a couple home games. Like people are going to start to be- re believe in the Chiefs, and then the number is going to, you know, get too, you know, bloated again, right? So again, this is kind of like buy low, sell high. I'm not saying that I, I I totally agree with you. The Chiefs are off this year, but I do think they can kind of will their way at least to the AFC Championship game. Uh, and yeah, I think they would, but yeah, I think they would lose on the road in Baltimore if, if that, that was the case. Um, and then uh, switching sports, i uh, going to talk a little college basketball. Uh, uh, Luke, you were in attendance for the Arizona Purdue game, Indian- Indianapolis. Um, Purdue shot the lights out. Arizona uh, fell in that game. Uh, currently, after that win, Purdue is eight and a half to one uh, to win March Madness. Uh, so Luke, we will start with you.
2: Uh, are you staking or swapping Purdue? I am swapping this like max swap if i you know we've done 18 weeks of this like i would maximum swap this team totally overrated they obviously had a one versus 16 upset last year i think this is going to happen again um zach Eady. zach Eady. so arizona's a pretty fast team zach Eady wasn't even at mid court when arizona was scoring he is so slow that and you, you got to take him out every 15 minutes of real time every like six minutes of game clock like The dude can't run. He's not good at free throws. These two kids, the the two Purdue guards, Fletcher, lawyer, sophomore guard, whoever that is, and then Braden Smith, another sophomore guard, combined for 53 points on Saturday. That's not happening ever again in a big-time matchup. Um, Yeah, maximum swap this team. There are so many good teams in college basketball this year. Houston, UConn, Marquette. Arizona Kentucky Duke I think can make a rebound like I couldn't swap this team any harder relative to all those other top six teams yeah um
0: from my vantage point watching the game on tv it looked like Tommy Lloyd the Arizona's coach his strategy was you know we're going to double ED and let everyone else beat us. And then those guys were just hitting threes and and they were beating us. And then there was like, no like readjustment to like, "Mm, okay, you know what? Like new game plan. Let's not double ED. Let's start guarding the perimeter. And like that never happened. Uh, When when you give up 90 in a college game, you're going to have a tough time winning. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I do not think Purdue is as good as, as, Uh, they looked. um, Yeah. So I will be swapping Purdue and Matt Painter and Purdue just always have a a terrible uh, tournament uh, record, um, you know, as evidenced last year. So I will swap uh, Purdue as well. Uh, Sean, um, any thoughts on Purdue or just, uh, you know, March Madness uh, futures in in general?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I'm I'm not a big college basketball guy. Um, I'll watch March Madness, of course, just for the pageantry. But other than that, I, I, I really have a hard time. If I can't bet on something, I have a hard time really getting into it. I'm not going to waste a lot of time watching it. So for me, I have a hard time. First of all, I'll be completely honest about like regular season NBA. I think it's the hardest thing to cap in the world. Day-to-day NBA, if you don't have a ton of inside information, I think it's the very most difficult sport to cap. Now, if we're talking about regular season college hoops, it's a little different because the games mean a lot more, but I I have a really hard time gauging teenagers and how they're going to show up and what they were doing and and, and all that type of stuff. So it's the main reason I really don't bet too, too much money on college football either. I have a hard time trusting the teenagers and it pisses me off when I lose my money on like very ridiculous situations. (laughs) Cause it happens in the pros too. Like there's a lot of crazy situations that happens in the pros, but there's some stuff in college teams are up 12 fouling. or teams are down 12 with 30 seconds fouling and stuff like that. It's like, what what are we doing here? This is, I can't, I can't gauge this, this type of stuff. So yeah, I'm not a big, big college basketball guy. So I do think Edie's a bum though. I will say
0: that. Yeah. Um, I think we yeah we we can all, think, all agree on that. Uh, there's a reason why he didn't come out last year uh, yeah. in the in the draft, but uh, no. The, the best part of March Madness is betting hundreds or thousands of dollars on on kids and teams that you just started watching like a week ago. <laughs> so that's that's always the uh, the yeah. uh, the, <laughs> the, yeah, the best 100%. part. So uh, yeah. Um, All right. Well, uh, that will do it uh, for this week's episode. Sean, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I know we went a little long, but uh, your insight uh, was great and uh, always great to talk to you.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me, Luke. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Next time you guys are in New York, we'll, we'll step out and have a couple pops for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that will do it for this week's episode of the Prop Swap podcast. We are off next week for Christmas. Everyone uh, have a great holiday and we will talk to you in the new year in two weeks.